we're going to plow uh, into uh, this, this topic together. Uh, we're missing quite a few today. Maybe, uh, was there a time change? No, there was no time change. Uh, no, no. Frost. People are still scraping their windshields. You think, is that it? There's an exploring cornerstone class, which would, would account for some of, some of people perhaps. But not knowing any better, I made 65 copies again uh, for um, this Aging Matters class. And I'm going to get you to, could you scatter some around that way? Yeah. And there's plenty more here. Here. Um, and uh, not to confuse you with what's going around, but if you weren't here last week and would like a copy of this from last week, those are up here too, but I'm not going to send them around because they look identical at first glance. Um, does anybody want one from last week? Hey, Barb. It says week one. That's the first clue. So you should have week one or week two. And just, this is week one. This is week one going around. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you've got, you've got handouts. And um, again, those are intended to be kind of like Cliff Notes, Reader's Digest version of just a basic bullet point outline of this nice little book that, that we are reading or some of us are reading. We're encouraging you to. I have one left from the, from the short stack that we ordered. And um, <clears throat> I think nine of you left with a book last week. There's one more if anybody is interested. It's not required reading. It's uh, just recommended reading. And we can't order more or you can order Amazon or there's even... I think there might be a Kindle version that's really no cheaper. Uh, sometimes those are quite a, quite a deal, but I think it's pretty close. But um, so what we did last week was to introduce the first of a short series trying to review. This is week two right here, Jim, if you're looking. Did anybody else come in needing a handout? Um, just make sure that you get week two if, if that's what you're looking for. Um, so, without further ado, um, I want to read uh, a few verses, and these are listed. They're not, the text is not printed out, but these are listed right there at the top of week two review under flourishing. Uh, these are words from Psalm 71, which might serve really as an anthem for for what we are doing. If we had a little four-piece orchestra, a little set up here, an anthem for aging matters and finishing our course with joy, whether that's you as someone who is beyond you know those retirement years and living in them now, or if you are younger knowing that you're going to be facing this or you're doing it with parents someday, soon, if not now, <clears throat> hear these words. And as I read these, um, part of when I, when I read these words, I have them marked in my Bible uh, to, to return to for the next however many years the Lord gives me. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, 
O Lord, from my youth. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Those are selected verses from Psalm 71 that are listed there right at the top of that page. But, but that, uh, that can serve as an anthem you know, for, for us as we, as we age, as we grow, as we watch others grow in our family or help them through those years. Um, that's my hope you know, in prayer for myself, for us, as we have this uh, conversation together over these few weeks. That's under the category of flourishing. We talked last week, Packer's phrase was one way to think about finishing our course is finishing flat out. That's the language that he, he used, that, that it's not we're, we're not uh, diverted or we're not diluted, but we're finishing. And, that is, and, and his image for us is this race that we are in or on that as you, as you come into the last lap, and we don't know what that lap is. We don't know what days those are. We don't, we don't know when we've entered the last lap. But, but, the, but the, uh, the promise uh, of Scripture is, is such that as we take the promises of Scripture for what they are and God for who he is, that we enter, it, that, we enter that last lap flat out um, with the, with the finish line in view is the, is the grand and beautiful picture there. Um, and one of the things that we did not talk about too much last week, and I want to give a few minutes, and we, are, we got started late, and we will try to end on time um, because of realities here. But, but there's one thing I wanted us to give a few minutes to, and a couple of people, two or three of you nodded when we got to this part uh, last week. We touched on it briefly, and a couple of people came up to me afterwards and says, can we talk about this a little more? And it's this notion of one of the temptations that we face or we will face or we will watch family members face is what Packer called obstinate unrealism about our aging. That's a, that's a loaded phrase, obstinate unrealism. But we all know, week two, make sure it's week two. We all know kind of how, how that occurs and, and uh, when it, what it looks like or sounds like, an obstinate unrealism. And uh, it's the notion that, <clears throat> yeah, other people age, other people shouldn't be driving, but that's not me. <laughs> what I wanted to do, just I wanted to open the floor uh, for, for this important topic just for a moment to have a, a dialogue together about that temptation or that dilemma, the obstinate unrealism of an aging, of, of aging beyond our abilities and not knowing it or not acknowledging it, being obstinate. And a couple of you are registering right now with this that that is a reality. It's either something you've experienced or are or suppose you will. Um, and what I would love to do is just hear kind of how you have 
engaged that or how you've uh, experienced it. And maybe you're just full of questions like the people that came to me last week and said, can we talk about this? But, but I'd love to give a, a few moments. If we don't do anything else, I think this is worth talking about. How, do, how, do you, how have you experienced um, from others or maybe even yourself a little bit of obstinate unrealism? What does that look like? And then how have you engaged it and responded? Yeah. I said, this is the way it's done. Yes. But in that process, um, that last summer when I was, Linda and I were tag teaming, taking care of her, she was still in her place. Um, but she was pretty obstinate about she could still do things she couldn't do. So I'm standing in the kitchen one day and she comes in with her walker and her little dog on a leash and she says she's going to walk to the mailbox. Well, she has not walked really across the house. I'm like, okay. And she goes outside and I continue rush out the door, and there's the walker, and there's the dog on his leash, and the car is gone. Whoa. And I'm like, I'm going to kill her. She doesn't kill herself before she gets back. <laughs> but it made me realize, when she got back, I confronted her, and I said, if you pull a stunt like that, I'm, again, I'm going to go home. And she never did it again. But I think the obstinate unrealism thing has a lot to do with if you have allowed up to that point community. So if somebody else's voice has carried weight with you, yeah. then that voice can carry weight with you when you are. And if I, I am going to be worse than her, I already can sense that. Oh, we believe it. Did you hear all that from the back? The voice, trusting a voice before that season of life, and that voice can carry weight into the present moment or dilemma. Yeah, that's a really, really great piece of this puzzle, I think. Who, who's able to, who is speaking into that life, and what, is that, what does that relationship entail, and, and where, it's, where it's honest, and loving and gracious and tender and firm, firm where it needs to be, exhorting, rebuking, you know, biblical categories. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. I, I just noticed further down the page there's the word resolute popped out to me. It kind of made me think that there's kind of probably a fine line between obstinate and resolute. Yeah. Oh, that's and a good I'm point. To be resolute, yes. Not <laughs> yeah. You heard that, I hope, too. Yeah. That's, that's that. That's that golden median that we're looking for. We want to be resolute and intent. We want to run the race well and finish well and steward all the gifts and abilities God's given us without being obstinate that, yeah, you're no longer making sense <laughs> or, or uh, you, you're, you're, you're a risk to yourself and others when you are driving. Yeah. Yeah, Mark?
Yeah. 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 Right. Yes. That's good. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I look at the fighting temptation, giving up, you know, give in or give up. Mm-hmm. And then the obstinate unrealism, to me, the, they sort of sit in the same place. Um, before you get to the place where driving, independence, and all those things are, one of the issues I've dealt with is in the world that I, that I work in, you got these 25, 36-year-old guys that are like gun-ho, make it all happen. You get older, and you fight the temptation of saying, you know what, I'm getting older, and you fight that temptation of, um, can I still do this? Yes. Right? Yeah. And you can. <clears throat> then you go, heck, I'm just going to give it up, because these guys, they don't know it. They, they, they go, right? Mm. And, and you had that energy at one point. But your energy is different. Then you have to sort of figure out what that is. But fighting that temptation of getting yourself down. Yeah. And then and, and thinking old is a problem. Yeah. When it really isn't. No. Once you right, right. go through that. Then the obstinate part is thinking, well, you know what? I'm just going to go do it this way. When in reality, what I've learned, because you, you can't, or you can, but you, you do it with grace. Yes. You know what I mean? You, yes. You, you, yeah. you realize, I'm not going to multitask like I used to. And I'm going to give it up to this person. I'm not but, but there's all those temptations that sort of mm-hmm. fit in that place of growing old with grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not doing a good job of it because yesterday I destroyed my body because <laughs> I went out and worked so hard. I woke up this morning going, I can't do that. <laughs> there, there are two other hands, one back there and then Andy. Yeah. <laughs> An op- it's that obstinate body, yeah, yeah. He he wins in the in, in the end, Andy. Yes, that first temptation. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because those are both realities. You, we would want one another, we would want ourselves to be, to finish flat out and not sort of lagging behind on the third lap because I'm so far behind, I'm not going to win this race. No, you're really not racing against someone, you know, in this analogy. You're, you're trying to be, a, you want to be a steward of all that God has given you. And, and, um, and, 
and receive that prize, you know, for, for finishing the course well and enabling those that can to do. Barbara, did you have... What can I do? I want to do well. That's really wonderfully phrased. Um, <clears throat> if I can't do it well, I'll at least try to do it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Any other comments before we move? Yeah. Well, this, this, I hope you pick up, is what makes our conversation now different from the one that would take place at the senior center because it's rooted in the gospel. You know, what difference does the gospel make? And that should always be our, 
our go-to in a dilemma, whatever. We're talking about aging, but whatever it is, it's what difference does the gospel make in this? And how does the gospel shape this relationship that I'm having with myself at this stage of life or with parents or with my children? You know, how does the gospel? My hope is I will be, that I would take the initiative and say to two daughters and a son-in-law, here's how I hope you will um, here's my plan for, for the day that I can't drive. And uh, here's what I want you, here's the conversation I want you. So if nothing else, we as a church, as the body of Christ, if our righteousness is in Christ, we know there will be a day when none of us will drive. And we, unless we're suddenly taken out of this world in a tragic moment, if, if, if things play out like they normally do, we will age and we're living longer than previous generations. And, and uh, according to <clears throat> MIT Technology Review, old age is over. Uh, there are ways to combat this and I'll, I'll uh, be happy to give this to any of you that want to combat aging. Um, <clears throat> but, but to be proactive in this whole thing and if... And, I need children that will help me be proactive. And if that's you, if you're on the, 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 the older end of the spectrum, you great, hopefully or gratefully could ha- would have children that are engaging you about these things. And uh, if not, you might be the one to initiate it, to say, hey, let's talk about this topic that we don't talk about. Not so much death, uh, we will talk about that before we finish this little series. It's going to conclude with end-of-life decisions, by the way, just as a preview. But um, we're not talking about that. We're just talking about flourishing and, and finishing the course and fighting temptation. That's really what we're talking about right now. But to be proactive, I think that's the thing. Um, and, and when our identity is in Christ, we can be proactive. There will be a day when I won't drive, and I... I'm okay with that. I hope somebody will arrange for me to get where I need to go or want to go, you know, if I'm not able to do so. But, but I don't want to have to sneak out, you know, and take the car. Uh, yeah, I don't want to have to do, I hope I don't do that. Uh, but to embrace the reality, you know, I'm going to do what I can do, and I know I can't do that or I shouldn't do that anymore. By the way, I, I don't want to not mention this. Uh, I mentioned my, my father who went through Alzheimer's when he was prescribed a kind of medication for that. That enabled his doctor to send him to the, t- to the Bill Wilkerson Clinic down at Vandy where they do driving tests. So the decision about the car keys was taken out of the family's hands. You should know that, <laughs> living in Middle Tennessee, that there is a way for that to happen. Once certain medications are prescribed, he is then eligible. And once you go once, you are required to go annually. The first time he went, uh, we were living in Virginia, and I got one of his good friends to, to take him down there. Uh, and he did, uh, he did better than any of us were expecting because we had been in the car with him, and we weren't sure he was going to pass. But he did. So the next time, we were living here, and I took him for that required annual appointment, and he did worse than we were expecting him to do. And he left that day without an, with 30 days to appeal the decision about his car keys. Now, he, was, he, had, he had advanced so far 
uh, all he was was angry, you know, and didn't process it and didn't appeal. And, and then we ended up uh, learning that we couldn't simply leave the car keys hanging on the hook where they always did. We had to figure out how do we get those keys out of his pocket, you know, and uh, so we were learning that uh, along the way. But I wanted you to know that there is a mechanism in place uh, for, for those of you in that dilemma that uh, you might just investigate some. some. Um, yeah. For me? Yeah. Well, we've not gotten there yet. I've thought about it, and I know that that's coming, so, so we'll talk about that. So that is one way to prepare in advance would be to actually have a conversation about something that's going to be really hard later. Yeah. I never thought about doing yeah. that. That was just kind of a Yeah. Yeah, Linda, and then Terry. Yeah. <clears throat> My dad did virtually everything else. He, he made sure I knew kind of where things were financially, legally, you know, that I had access to his lockbox. He was proactive in, in, in every other area except the car keys, you know. And, and so that was, a, that was the picture for me personally of being intentional, thoughtful, not morose. You know, it's just a reality. You know, I want, who can I trust with these kinds of decisions? And, um, and I want to do it. And the thing I learned um, about this aging thing and Alzheimer's or dementia in particular is don't try to reason with someone who's lost the ability. I mean, you can reason in the moment and then there's in the next moment. And... Uh, and I learned that uh, the hard way, uh, trying to reason and w wanting to reason and then recognizing that the nod in the moment didn't last. So that doesn't mean you don't reason. It just means don't rely on it, you know, and don't assume that because you've clearly communicated and got an agreement on something that it's going to endure. So I'm going to put mine in writing. <laughs> see, see, if that, see if that works. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's real good. Annual business meeting. Yeah. Add that to your notes. That's a good one. Um, we're not going to review chapters three and four today. I, I, wanted, I did want to give some time to, um, to that topic because I do think that it was, we sort of blew right over it and it's a biggie dealing with whether it's 
the, the giving in or throwing in the towel or, or, or enabling, as you rightly put it, Andy, or if it's just being obstinate and unreal about the realities. That is really where a lot, and he calls them temptations. And I think that's the right label you know, for those things that we recognize them, we address them, we, we pray our way into and through them. Uh, we, we do have an enemy, you know, <laughs> who is at work in, in these sorts of things as well. That's important, and he, he does address that in the book a little bit. But uh, uh, <clears throat> I do want to hit a couple things uh, from this. Um, the, the title of chapter 3 is he, he calls Keep Going. You know, that's the race. You know, how do, how do we keep going? And then he recognizes, he wants to, he wants to give a tip of the hat uh, to, to those of us who are aging, uh, which we all are, of course. But um, as we're talking about this kind, he says, reflect back. He says, I see you as veterans of the war, aging ones. I see you as, and he, by the way, he's an octogenarian, you know, as he writes, I see you as veterans of the war between the forces of Christ and those of Satan. From the start, you knew you were saved to serve. You were called to Christ and saved to serve. This is on page 52. And that indeed is what you spontaneously wanted to do. Soon you learned, however, that you were going to be opposed by all along the way. By becoming Christians, you walked into a war, Satan's war, against the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that meant that whatever you set yourself to do by way of service to your Lord, satanic forces would try, usually by indirect rather than direct means, to thwart or spoil. So your Christian life has been a long-drawn fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and such it still is. Nonetheless, and hear this, you have lived full and varied lives. You married and brought up families, doing your best to nurture them in Christian faith, following the lead of your circumstances and of your abilities and and of the interests God has put in your hearts. You carved out careers for yourselves. You also joined local churches where you sought to pull your weight as helpers, encouragers, givers, teachers, counselors, friends. You sought to support the lonely and to stabilize those who in any way were feeling life strained and battling despair. You used your home for hospitality and group gatherings. You kept your eyes and your ears open for opportunities to share your faith. It's a tip of the hat. He's acknowledging that. That's been your track record up to the present. You have lived, loved, and labored for him, not always with great success, but with constant faithfulness and zeal. And then, he go, and then he, from there he goes and continue. That's really what the flourishing and the, and the finishing looks like. Continue that with zeal, but zeal requires hope. And uh, if, if somebody's about to give, throw in the towel or, or back off of those things, it may be that that's the missing piece of the puzzle for him or her, and that is hope. And we all know how, how, how life-giving and energizing hope is. And so he, he talks, um, this is on page 79, looking forward. Uh, if you've got the book, the, the, these two quotes are on page 79 and 80. It requires hope, right? Hope motivates, energizes, and drives us. It is natural for us to look ahead and long for any good things we see. That is how God made us. 
It is always in his plan that we, his embodied rational creatures, should live our lives in this world looking forward to and preparing for something even better than we've already known. So the hope is not in this world, (laughs) but the hope is around the corner. It is on the other side of that finish line, and that is our hope. Our hope's not in this world. Our hope is not in uh, a fruitful last year of living in this world although it's, it's not less than that, it's just more than that. Our hope is in the world to come. And the hope for the world to come, if I see it rightly and clearly, doesn't really give me the option of throwing in the towel. Really, it's to press into that and to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Damn. Yeah, I, I believe that. Yeah, I hope I do. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. From family. Yeah, Jim. Thank you. <laughs> How humanity would have transitioned into that even better life had there been no fall into sin, and whether in that case any form of physical wearing out would have preceded the transition, are more than we can know. If, if Adam had not fallen, what would have, what have, we don't know. But this part of God's creational plan has now been restored to us through the death and resurrection of the God-man, Christ Jesus. That because of the gospel, uh, there is something that we anticipate and we can help others anticipate. And as I've heard, as I've said before, sometimes we have to borrow other people's eyes to see what we can't see. And if you are aging and, have, and, have, and aren't seeing what Jan is, you may need to borrow her eyes or borrow somebody else's eyes to help you see. And if somebody about to throw in the towel, Andy, uh, you may be his eyes or her eyes for, for what has grown dim. Yes. A lot of mistakes along the way. And I think we need to look for opportunities to impart some of that wisdom along the way. That's what, as elders, I think are Yes. Yes. Well, that's what that psalm was about, right? Until I tell another generation. Yes. Sustain me, give me hope, joy, strength for the day that I might tell another generation about the glory and the beauty of, of Christ. Yeah, thank you for that, yeah. So part of flourishing and finishing the course is, is looking, to, looking for those open doors to baton pass, you know, uh, to, to invest, you know, in, in others that, are, that will carry the, carry the torch you know, into the, the next generation. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Um, we skipped over it, but, um, or I did, uh, but um, <clears throat> God's on the front page, God's path for aging believers. I've referred to this image before. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, run so that you may obtain the prize that is not aimlessly. So what are the aims of my life? What is the purpose? What are the objectives? 
I'm not just flipping channels, you know, trying to entertain myself. That's not, that's pretty aimless <laughs> or worse. And that doesn't mean that we don't watch our favorite TV shows or our favorite teams. It doesn't mean that. It just means that's not what my life, I hope that's not what my life becomes. But, but aimfully, instead of aimlessly, uh, is what you see in 2 Timothy 4. We'll finish with this. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, Paul writes. At the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, with the, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And Packer cites four things from that text. And you can see them there. Clear-headed goal orientation. As clear as my mind can be. <laughs> and when my mind's not clear, help me. But I want to be clear and goal-oriented to the end. Not drifting and not aimless. But, but, but focused. That was a word uh, we were talking earlier when we were talking about if I can't do everything, Charlie, was, if, I'm not, if I need to limit what I'm doing, what am I focusing my energies on? What, what, what is it that I want to really invest in? I can't, I'm not going to do everything. I shouldn't be trying to do everything I have. But what is the focus? What's the laser-like focus you know, of my energies? Purposeful planning. You see that in Paul. So that's a legit and a, and a helpful way forward. Uh, resolute, Mike, resolute concentration. That's what, you, what's what Packer sees in, in Paul's words there, a resolute concentration. And then supreme effort. Knowing that uh, energy fluctuates and, and is less than it was, but, but what does supreme effort look like at every stage, with every level of energy or capacity. I want to give myself to my family. I want to give myself to a relationship with Christ, no doubt. We talked about that last week, that it includes um, personal engagement with the Lord, and out of that grows uh, opportunities to, to serve His purposes in this world. Maintaining zeal Godward as our bodies wear out is the special discipline of which we aging Christians are called. <laughs> but if that to, is to happen, zeal must be fed by hope. And we talked about that. Uh, I heard a bell. My hearing is still good. <laughs> At least that good. And uh, let me pray for us. Father, uh, we do delight in the reality that you call us into this together. Uh, we've, we're grateful for an opportunity to have this conversation in your presence, but with one another. Thank you for the wisdom that you've given to many in this room and, and their contributions to our understanding today, the experiences. And Lord, would we recognize that we're not doing this alone? We're not aging alone. We're not dealing with the issues surrounding aging, but together looking to you, wanting to be faithful stewards of every moment, every breath that you give us. We don't know the number of our days, but you do. And we want to spend those days, invest them, not just, not just spend them, but to invest them. There's no killing time. It's, it's investing time in the things that are true and lovely and beautiful. So give us a heart for those things, to enjoy those things that are true and beautiful and good. 
and um, the relationships that, that you give us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, you see at the bottom of the page what's coming, and uh, Matt Falk is coming. Matt Falk is coming. Damaris King is coming. Uh, Jim Taylor is coming. And, and oh, and we're going to do a little panel, and I would like three or four of you to talk with us about how you are rethinking retirement or how you have. If you, if you, reframing retirement is the, is the label. And um, I'm going to be asking some of you, I'd like some of you to volunteer. Say, yeah, I've got a, I could tell you how I'm thinking or how I'm doing retirement uh, at this stage. And so let's talk. I mean, I would like just a few of you to be our panel, you know, on a, one of these upcoming Sundays. So be thinking about that.